Hi friends, this is Connie Alpers and I want to welcome you back to Equipped to Be, where I get to help you embrace and navigate the seasons of life so you can reach your personal family and parenting goals. We at Equipped to Be want you to understand how God has given you unique gifts, strengths, and talents so that you can live in all seasons with confidence and joy. Whether you're cooking dinner, holding laundry, or maybe just enjoying some time alone. I hope you enjoy this episode of Equipped to Be. Welcome to Equipped to Be. I'm excited that you're with us today. I'm your host, Connie Albers, and today we're going to talk about building sibling relationships. It's funny, this is probably one of my more popular topics when I am asked to speak at conferences that relate to parenting, marriage, or homeschooling. And the reason why is we spend so much time investing in our kids. If you're a mom and a dad, a grandma, grandpa, uh, you're a guardian, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You, you spend countless hours reading, listening, breaking up arguments, correcting some of your kids from saying things that hurt some of their siblings. You make sure that you're pouring in God's word and you take them to church and you know, you're know you working so hard for your kids to get along, to have peace, to do more than just survive with a lot of kids. And as I started boiling it down, I'm frequently asked, what did you do? How did you get to where your family is now? And When I wrote about it in Parenting Beyond the Rules, I didn't realize how important that topic was. Maybe I took it for granted, but I think the truth is I didn't really dissect it and really break it down. Even though I talked about all the key elements in Parenting Beyond the Rules about building sibling relationships, you know, y'all know I have five children and and three are now married, so there's, there's eight of us, plus Tom and I, so there's 10 of us. That's a lot of people to try to manage relationships with. You have a variety of personalities. And trust me, there there isn't one that's alike. We have similarities. You know, some are introverted and some are extroverted. But man, that's just like superficial. That's like level one. Okay, great. You like being around people. That's where you get your energy. Uh, you can be around people, but it's not where you get your energy. I that's, that's like tip of the iceberg stuff. What I want to talk to you about today is the deep work, the soul work, the heart and soul of building a relationship. Now, I write about this in Parenting Beyond the Rules, and if you haven't read that book, I encourage you to get it. it it's available in book form, uh, audio form, uh, CD, MP, so you can get it everywhere. You can also keep tuning in to Equipped to Be, where I talk about these topics quite often, talking about strengths or parenting, life, the hardships, motherhood, all the stages. So today, let's talk seriously. Let's talk about how do we build those sibling relationships. Let me pull back the curtain a little bit in my own family and how we've done it. And as I have just kind of sought to answer these questions that I keep getting, Because when you're in the midst of the season of building, you're in the trenches, 
You have a child who is resisting and pulling away and pulling back. I, I've had a lot of leaders, I guess people would call them influencers. I really don't like that word, but I've had a lot of women who have a lot of children. And chances are, if you have a lot of children, more than one, if you have two even, uh, chances are there's going to be some that are going to resist. They're going to push back. They're going to pull away. They're not going to like your style of parenting. They might not even like you at times or many times. They certainly might not like their siblings. And the likelihood that they're not going to appreciate the giftedness of one another at a young age or certainly in the middle or high school years, well, we would be fools to think that they would they would see that. Those are all things we teach and train. Those are all things that we have to be so intentional about. And that's why we're going to talk about what it looks like to build a sibling relationships that stand the test of time. Because at the end of the day, when we turn the tassel, I don't know about you, I wanted more than just to say, okay, we're done. 18, you're out, gone. See ya. I'm going to like live my life now. I poured my life into my family. It's not the only thing I did, so don't get me wrong. It's not like that's all I did, but that was the most important thing besides my my relationship with Tom. Everything else, creating a movement, writing books, speaking, all that, that's, that's just icing on the cake. Those are just things that I... I do, but when you when you really pull back the curtain and you look at your life and you think about when my kids are grown, what do we want to see in our family? I'm asking you now. When your kids are grown, what what do you want to see in those relationships? What do you want to see in the relationships that you have with your children when they're adults? And what do you want to see and their relationship with each other. Now, again, there's eight. I have five children and three are married, so there's eight of us. And I remember years ago, I was struggling because I had some teenagers and the nature of the relationships were strained for various reasons. And I desperately wanted them repaired. I, I didn't want to send anybody off into the world, so to speak, with broken tattered relationships where they couldn't wait to get away, to get away from me or their dad, to get away from their siblings. I, I wanted an environment, and as did Tom too, uh, wanted an environment where they actually wanted to do life together. That if we said, hey, we're having dinner at XYZ place, or I'm having dinner here at the house, or they throw out a group text that says, "Hey, anybody want to come over? We're going to we're going to grill out. Have your kids adjust their schedules so they don't miss a thing." Yeah. That's the picture I want you to get. Will it be a perfect picture? No. And don't get hung up on the exact picture that you create, but you do have to have a vision of what you're shooting for. And I'm going to share with you some things that that we did, things that worked what I see now. Like we have a standing and, and, and it and it was actually initiated by one of my kids where we have dinner every week together. Nobody cooks. We go to this restaurant that's become like a favorite. We walk in and they know, oh yeah, how many this time? 
because not everybody can be there every week, work schedules, finances even. Not everybody can be there, but many of them, most of them, do whatever they can within reason to make it happen. And we do this every week. And because there are 10 of us, uh, we usually get uh, six to seven at a time. There's always a few that just can't make it for work reasons, and they just can't make it. But I want you to think about how do we build these close relationships? Hard times have befallen all, all of us. Our friends are, are great and wonderful, but you want to cultivate within your family that when the chips are down, when the times are hard, when the cupboard is bare, when the bank account is empty or the car has broken down or someone is in the hospital or someone is depressed, they've been beaten down by life. You know, if you're a believer, if you are a follower of Christ, that doesn't mean everything's euphoric. You're going to have hard times. It's just, that's life. I've written about this, and I've done some podcasts about the hard times, the struggles, the trials. I think I did that in the last episode where I talked about learn to love struggles. That was a hard episode to do. But it's all part, it all is part of building the family you're going to do life with. And I will say this. That if you're in the season now of, of having littles, that's a, that's a hard season in a different way from raising middle schoolers or high schoolers. And it's an equally difficult place to be when you have a college student or you have adult children that are finished with college. They're, they're trying to pursue their their career, or they're trying to grow and build their marriages if they're married, or maybe you have the gamut, depending on the ages of your children. I was thinking back when I began homeschooling, when I began parenting, there weren't many people that had, that I would say I wanted to listen to. There were a lot of people talking about this, do this, do this. I mean, there was actually lots of advice available. But there really wasn't a lot I wanted to, to listen to. And that's important for you to know. I was very careful who I allowed to speak into my life. I wanted the Lord to lead me. Uh, Tom and I wanted to lead our children in a way that we built this family that wanted to do life together, that the relationships were of paramount value. And the reason the relationships are so important is because when hard times do come in their lives, broken friendships, maybe they've been bullied, maybe they've been disappointed or their dreams have been crashed, or maybe real life has dealt a real blow and they really are struggling to land back on their feet. I wanted them to know their family would be there. Obviously, the Lord will be there, but some of your children aren't going to turn to the Lord. They're they're going to they're listening to their friends or they're listening to the world. They're listening to others tell them all this garbly junk about how they're supposed to do things. And the reason 
that I focus so much on the relationship is because we wanted our kids to have a relationship with the Lord and not just know about God, not know about a religion. And I see that happening a lot. I can't tell you the countless friends who have shared with me and people that you you know that are telling you all this stuff about parenting and stuff and how their own children have said, yeah, thanks for all that God stuff, but uh, yeah, nah, that's really not for me. And what I marvel at and what is so important is some of those parents understand that if they hold on to the relationship, if they have woven throughout the parenting years the relationship and how key and critical that is, when a child waxes and wanes, ebbs and flows, some won't. Some won't. I mean, they're just, they're just, they're locked and they have their convictions. They know why they know what they know. They believe what they believe and they're not easily influenced. Yeah, those are awesome, but that's not every child. It may not be your child. But I have learned if the relationship is there, and I want to talk about what those key points are, you have influence. Parents matter. I mean, we're seeing a change in our culture now. I, I speak a lot about culture and about how we're impacting the culture and how the culture impacts our families. But what we have to understand is the nature of your relationship with each of your children and the way that you foster relationships within the sibling units are paramount to your kids, either if they've walked away from the Lord coming back if they've walked away from you coming back, if they've been if they've been hurt and wounded by life, maybe even by some of your parenting, God's not finished because you've worked on the relationship. See how we have done things over the years has changed. I've grown and and matured. I've had some hard lessons learned and and you will too. You're growing. You're not the same person this morning that when you woke up and flipped on this podcast, which by the way, thank you for tuning in so faithfully. Thank you for telling your friends. Thank you for walking with me on this journey that I have been through, this transformational journey again in my own personal life that makes equipped to be evolve into more of what God wants it to be. But how we live does change. And if we're wise, if you're wise, you will change as well. Now, I don't mean we change in our beliefs. We can change in our approaches. We can change our routines. We can adjust our own thinking. And that can happen when we listen. We pay attention to what our kids are telling us, the needs of our family. The schedules that we clung to when my kids were little, they had to adjust and change. You know, nap times and bedtimes were once like what we lived for. Okay, this is nap time. And I knew if my children didn't get that nap time or that alone room time or just downtime or they didn't, their bedtime routine was thrown off, I knew it was going to be difficult for the rest of the day. 
because I would have whiny, cranky kids. Not all of my kids were like that, but the majority were. Rhythms and routines just like the sun rises and the sun sets are relatively around the same time. It doesn't stay, depending on where you are, depending on the season. There's some seasons where it's light till 10 p.m. or that's light 24 hours a day. It didn't just get that way. One day it gets dark at 6 p.m. and the other night it gets dark at never. No, it's a gradual shift and it's a gradual change as 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 the seasons change and it's slow. And that's usually what happens within your family. There's a gradual change, a gradual maturing, a gradual pivoting that happens and it's natural and we can we can fight it. And sometimes we do have to hold on to it. If God's leading you, no, 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 we need to hold the line on this one. This one's a this one's a biggie. This, this child actually has to have this particular routine in place to kind of keep them on an even keel. That's important. So what I want you to hear, though, is that it's okay to change the routines as your children grow and change, as you grow and change. Remember I did that episode on the thermostat and the temperature? I mean, we set that. That's why parenting matters so much. That's why I wrote Parenting Beyond the Rules, because I love rules, and I, I love routines and schedules, but my word, I've been knocked off of being able to make a schedule and routine for a few years. Everything I wrote down was changed five minutes after I wrote it down, because you do have those seasons. But when I get down to thinking about how imperfect our family is and was, sometimes I get intimidated to to talk about it. And I have to step back and ask the Lord, God, what do you want me? What do you want me to share? You know. You know. You know it wasn't idealistic and it wasn't perfect and if I were to do social media with my little kids, man, I could tell a real boy, I could have created the perfect pictures, but it really wouldn't have been the truth. And I want to remind you that what you see on social media isn't the truth, isn't the whole truth. Some of it is. Those moments that we have a great time together, oh, everybody's dancing around to the music and the kids are off cooperating. Oh man, if our kids, if my kid would only do that. I can't even get my kid to smile for our Christmas photo without threats of no candy or no dessert. I have to keep coming back, and I keep coming back to you. I want you to keep remembering we have to be realistic. We're talking about human beings. We're talking about differences in personalities and temperaments and characters and needs, different needs. It takes a lot of effort to guard and protect the relationship with you and your child and between your children and each other. They're not going to wake up one day and appreciate the difference in each other. That takes energy and effort on your part. So what did we do? Well, I have to tell you, when I was writing Parenting Beyond the Rules about, oh, I guess about 
four years before I even started writing Parenting Beyond the Rules. I, I knew God was wanting me to write about it, and relationship was just such a key part of our whole parenting journey, our whole everything. Everything's hinge, everything hinges on your relationships. And when I had to start writing about this, someone had given me a book because they were going through a difficult time, and I asked them what they were doing. And I wrote, I write about this in Parenting Beyond the, the Rules. I'm not sure you can still get this book, but it's called Relational Soul. And it just talks about the need that people have for a relationship. And I, I outline more of this in the book. And it was written by Richard Plass and James Cofield. And this stuck with me. At the core of our beings is this truth. We are designed for and defined by our relationships. Can you just ponder that for a minute? Take inventory of the relationships that you have right now. We are designed for and defined by our relationships. Why have so many people been struggling over the last year and a half, two years? Because they've been cut off. We're designed for relationships with others, with your family, with the Lord. Now, we haven't been cut off from the Lord. No matter what has happened through all of the pandemic, we haven't been cut off from the Lord, but we have been cut off from people. And as things have evolved, I've watched families, I've watched kids cut their parents out because they didn't agree. I've watched, I've cried with, I've prayed for grandparents whose children have decided that because grandma or grandpa didn't hold their values, they weren't going to allow their child, their child to see their grandparents. We are designed for and by our relationships. I want you to hear me on that. We are born with a relentless longing to participate in the lives of others. And I'm telling you right now, if you aren't extremely intentional about cultivating the relationships, about removing the hindrances to those relationships, clearing up misunderstandings, sometimes you can't because it does take two people in a relationship. But in as much as is possible, we cannot not be relational. And that goes for the relationship within our kids. But we have to establish trust. We have to establish trust within the core of our families. We cannot allow one sibling to attack the weaknesses of another sibling, to mock them, to make fun of them. Joking is fine. We all have to have a little levity and be able to make fun of ourselves. If we don't, others will make fun of us. I remember, I think it was Ken Davis who once said, laugh at yourself and the, laugh, and the world will laugh with you. And if you don't, the world will laugh at you. So there's a fine line between joking and hurtfulness. But one of the keys, and make sure you write this down, is we did not allow our kids to poke, make fun of, marginalize, or shame 
their siblings for their weaknesses. You can't allow that to happen. Because you have to have you have to establish trust. Trust in the fact that we are going to do life together. Give them the vision of what that will look like. And as I said earlier in this episode, when I said they need to know that when financial shortfalls, life, hurt, harm, bad decisions, consequences from bad decisions, when the world turns away from them, the family won't. Now, if you've got younger children and you're in the trenches of parenting, which is most of my audience, that's what you're aiming for. That's what you have to protect. You've got to establish trust. Trust that it's safe. This is a safe place to be you. No, we're not always going to agree, and there's going to be some things that happen that we're going to have to have some family meetings over. You've got to establish trust. You've got to listen to learn why your child is struggling with another sibling. Maybe that sibling is doing something. Maybe that sibling is a little a little too boastful. Maybe maybe their own insecurity of wanting to be perfect or their own personality makes them seem braggadocious. And it's off-putting to another sibling. When you start to see walls being built or little jabs, you know what I mean, not the little elbow jabs or, or maybe the snide under the breath comment, you've got to address that. You've got to get to the why. Why is that happening? Also, don't allow your kids to compare each other with each other. Oh, they're the smart one. Oh, they're the artistic one. Oh, they're the creative one. Oh, they're the, the math nerd. Oh, they're the, the organized one. Don't allow your kids to compare each other with each other. I mean, God's word tells us not to compare ourselves with one another. Moms, we do it all the time. That's why sometimes we got to unplug from social media because we can't get out of the comparison trap because we're not in a good place. Can't allow it in your family. What do you do? Connie, what do you do when that happens? Well, you got to listen to the why. And then you pull the other child aside and you talk to them about it. Hey, what, what makes you do this? Ask leading questions. Not yes or no questions and not accusatory questions. You know what you're saying is hurting your sister. Um, that's not going to get you as far as, hey, have you ever considered that sometimes the way that you express your enthusiasm for something you have accomplished could, put, could possibly make one of your siblings feel like they, don't, they just don't measure up? If you've been cultivating this throughout their childhood, as adults, as high schoolers, college kids... They are aware of what they say and how they say it. They are aware that the words that they say can hurt their sibling unintentionally. And sometimes I will tell you, some of them do it intentionally to get a reaction. Doesn't mean they're a bad kid. Doesn't mean that you need to just, you know, come down on them hard. It just means that they need some more teaching. They need some more maturity. 
they need more instruction in the way that they should go. Don't allow a child who's, say, funny, can crack jokes. Don't let those jokes, don't let any of your kids become the butt of those jokes to the cost of that relationship. I want you to, to understand that every, every family member is, is, has a unique dynamic to them. And you have to keep bringing them back and reminding them that they're part of a larger family. They're part of a larger unit called the family, and that we are the family that's going to be doing life together. And you have to establish trust that they're safe. They're safe. They have to build confidence within each other that you're going to be there for their good. They have to have that assurance that if I open up, I'm not going, it's not going to be used against me later. There has to be a reliability. If you stumble, I'm going to walk with you. I'm not going to make fun of you. I'm not going to come alongside you and say, see, I told you. That's not going to foster the close relationships. It's not going to build sibling relationships that when they are adults want to go have dinner. We, it's, it's like our Taco Tuesday. We, we go to a Mexican restaurant that we absolutely love. I don't think any of us get tacos, but we, that's just our place. They, we walk in and they know every, uh, on this particular day at seven o'clock, there is going to be a group of us coming in and we will probably hang out for a couple of hours because we have so much to laugh and talk about. I'm usually the one that wants to introduce the heavy topics. And then, of course, uh, I'm quickly reminded that this is like supposed to be family time. It's supposed to be fun time. And I have to lighten back up. There has to be strength. You got to cultivate that strength of your family, the resilience that comes from doing life together. They're reminding each other that life is going to hit all of them, and some of them harder than others in different ways. But nope, we're still there because we are designed for and by our relationships. It's crucial for that parent-child relationship, and it's crucial for the child-to-child relationship. There is a trust expert, Charles Feltman, He breaks down trust in four areas. That is sincerity, reliability, competence, and care. And I talk about it at great lengths in Parenting Beyond the Rules. But if you want to have siblings that want to do life together, that will hang out, Like I recently went to the farmer's market recently and it started off with me and a friend and it ended up with me and a friend and my daughter. And then it ended up with me and my daughter and my daughter-in-law and her mother who happened to bump into my husband who then happened to go next door to my other daughter and my son-in-law. And it just became, it just was such a natural thing for our family. It's just natural for all of us to be interfacing with each other throughout the week constantly. And everybody is is working very, very hard. So it's not like everybody's working, but it's a priority. 
And it's a priority that starts with where you are right now. Establishing trust. Understanding it boils down to relationship, relationship, relationship. It comes back to what I said. Don't allow them to compare themselves with each other. Don't allow them to criticize, marginalize, make fun of one of their siblings' weaknesses. That's off limits. Not okay. And remember to pull that child aside. Ask the child who's being hurt or wounded why that's hurting them or wounding them. Remind them what your goal is with the relationship, what their goal needs to be with the relationship. Then take the other child who may be doing it totally innocently, maybe because everything rolls off their back. They're just, you know, there's just nothing really bothers them. And if you turned around and you poked fun at them, it would not even show up on their radar screen. It would just kind of like bounce off, but doesn't bounce off everyone. And so when you pull that other child aside and you remind them, listen, we got to protect the relationship. And, and is there a reason? Are you having a struggle? Do you, is there something going on? Is there un, something underlying that is causing you to kind of poke or needle that particular child? Get to the heart of the matter and then guide and lead them through it. Bring them to scripture. We're to edify one another. We're to build up each other. We're to lift up each other. Remind them God has called us to do life together. The family is the first unit. We see what's happening. We can be pushed in a lot of ways. We can give, we can adjust, we can pivot. But man, if you start messing with the parent-child relationship, you're going to get enormous pushback. We're seeing that happen. Mom and dad, you protect your families, protect those relationships within your families so that when the world pushes, pulls, attacks, they try to put a wedge between one child and the rest of the family, y'all are able to rally together and say, no, I'm sorry. We are the abbers and this is how we're doing it. You have like a Teflon coating around your family. Make that your goal. Just remember, with a relationship, you have influence, regardless of the mess that you can find yourselves in. That's why you must preserve it and protect it. It's paramount to your influence. The world wants to steal your kids away. They want to influence them away from you. The challenge is for you to build and cultivate those relationships where your children want to do life together. Trust is the key. Your family isn't going to be perfect. No one's is. Those highlight reels that we see, the perfect picture we think we know, that isn't that just isn't so. So I want you to start with the presumption that all the talking heads out there don't have it all together and didn't do it all perfectly. It doesn't mean they're not worth listening to because sometimes you learn a lot from your face plants. It changes you. But we have to be realistic and cultivate what it is that we want in our family. So be realistic about that. And you got to put in the effort and it takes time. I'm just telling you, it takes time. 
the idea that we can have it all at, in 24 hours a day, it isn't possible. That's not the purpose of the Proverbs 31 woman either. She, that's the story of a life, not the story of a, of a day or a week. But we do have to be willing to adjust. If I were to ask you, what is the family you're trying to build? Do you want your siblings to grow up and have dinner every week because they want to? Not because you've guilted them or shamed them, but they actually do like being together, even though not all their personalities fit well together. And some people can be in grumpy moods and some people uh, may not click just like a well-oiled machine. But they're willing to put the time and effort into it as adults to keeping what you have started doing now. They're willing to keep working at it. They're willing to keep trying because the stronger their relationships are, the stronger your family unit is, the stronger, the more capable and able you are to do the hard parts of life together without falling apart. That's what God desires. And I believe that. And I hope this episode has been a blessing, but it is possible for you to develop and cultivate sibling closeness within your family unit today and tomorrow. And the results you'll see in 10, 15, maybe 20 years from now, depending on the ages of your kids. It's worth the effort. Your parenting matters. And it all comes down to the nature of the relationships that you get the opportunity to shape, form, mold, and fashion. Thanks for tuning in to this week of A Code to Be, and I'll see you next week. Well, that wraps up this episode of Equipped to Be. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with a friend or family member and hit subscribe so you don't miss a show. And thank you again for joining me. Remember that we are equipped for every season of life.